All right, real quick before we jump into episode 78 here, I want to read a quick listener mail. This comes to us from Shauna Shade. She says, just making sure you will have a 2021 journal. I've enjoyed them for the past two years. Thanks, Shauna. Shauna, yes, we do. We have a fully redesigned whitewater journal. Keep track of all those memories of the year. Make it a training log however you want to use it. Check it out now at hammerfactor.com. All right, let's get into it. Grace Geltman and Weld on the Hammer Factor. Take it away, boys. Office yesterday, and we had some internet problems, and you know, to move your internet down the hall. And then the guy came back today to install it, and I didn't really pick up on this, but evidently I was being a complete dick. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, luckily there's plenty of coworkers here to inform me of that. <laughs> You just had no idea. Yeah, I was just being like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> All right, well, welcome to Hammer Factor, episode 78. My name is John Grace, producer here at the show. I'd like to introduce my co-host, policy director for the Outdoor Alliance, Lewis Geltman, and co-owner of Immersion Research, John Weld. we got a hell of a show lined up. Some policy updates, Green Race recap, listener mail, and some special 2021 predictions. And of course, we'll wrap it up with some rants and raves. Mm. Fellas, it has been a while. As, as usual these days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I never know where to start. I feel like it's uh, so much that's gone on and yet so little. <laughs> Well, let's start. Let's start with the kayaking. Have you been in, on the water? What's what's the scene like out there these days? Uh, <laughs> well, go ahead. I heard you went kayaking. I did. That was a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. 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 We got like we got like maybe ten days of good rain, like light rain, but steady. And the little white came in for like a day. I got to discuss this with you because I'm not sure. I don't sure if I really understand. It, pretty much anything that happens weather-wise out here. Notice that. It, Grace, let me explain this to you. It rained, I would say, five days in a row, like the day Christ died. It did not <laughs> stop, right? Like, it was it just raining. Not rain. That was like, you like let me Pacific finish? It was raining time. enough yeah. that, honestly, you'd have window. You'd have rained your second-story window back east if it rained this hard, right? And then I came into the shop one day, and I'm like, hey, you think the farmlands is running? And everyone's like, <laughs> <laughs> you think the farmlands is running? And like, what did I say? It's raining like crazy. Like, no, nothing's running. I'm like, how could nothing be running? I don't understand this. <laughs> the little white is about as big as a driveway, not running, right? <laughs> but your driveway was running. Nothing. I don't know where all the water goes. Well, have you noticed how it doesn't rain from like May until October? I did notice that, by the way. Yeah. It doesn't rain, so then there's no water in the ground. Yeah. You also notice how there's massive springs that come into the river. 
and then they'll say something up. then then i get this one they're <laughs> like well right now that you could run the the truss but it's gonna be super it's gonna be super low at the top or super high at the top it's super low at the bottom I'm like how can a river be high at the top and low at the bottom and they're like don't be a dumbass I'm like what do you mean don't be a dumbass it doesn't make any sense <laughs> No one's been able to adequately explain that to me. They start going on about some aquifers, and it kind of drifts off. Like, just take it from there on your own and figure it out. <laughs> but the fires are out. I drove. I drove east for business reasons and some other things. And pretty much the second I got back, I started paddling nonstop. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. The paddling here has been incredible for three years. For three years straight, it's been good. And the past like two months, I'm going to venture to say it's the best paddling in the world. If you, I mean, it's just been ridiculous how much water. So we, kids... we had five hurricanes this late summer and fall. Five tropical storms come through here. So my kid's in world class, right? My oldest kid, oh, yeah, which we can talk about, right? So it's a part of the program. It's supposed to travel, and when they go kayaking, world class for those of you out there who don't know is it's a it's a accredited high school kayak academy, which I have poo pooed in the past, and we really would Ooh, never have so considered. Many times. <laughs> uh, except that you know schools are shut down and whatnot. But it, in all fairness, the program has turned out to be remarkable in a lot of ways, and I I'd, and after all this, I'd, I'd really highly recommend it. Anyway. They're all apologetic about how they can't, they can't travel and they can't paddle and all these things. And they, they sort of sheepishly just told us that they're going out to the southeast to paddle. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? And so, like three weeks later, the like they the phrased people it, as, the program, it as it was going to be like, like a big letdown. Like, yeah, it's like this is all we have, kind of a thing. Oh, At least that's the way I read it. You know, <laughs> you know, like, and they get out there like this is the best kayaking we've had in decades. <laughs> or a decade of, I mean, that's what the, the, the people running the program were saying. I'm like, yeah, duh. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. When were they here? They're still there. Uh, they're, they're down at, uh, they were Long Creek last week, I think. Sweet. Yeah. Well, they hit it right. That's for sure. Yeah. Long Creek is the new white salmon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I was saying before the show started, the reason why Geltman is tweaked is because ben, the gorge is becoming more like Bend every minute in terms of climate and culture. This is not what Geltman signed up for. That's right. Which, I signed which, up for, for which, incessant rain and like drinking at chips with a bunch of loggers. Right. And now it's like <laughs> people with with like 17 to 25 Patagonia nanopuffs in their closet uh, spending their days in coffee shops on laptops. I can sense it. Like even out here, I can sense it. Like talking to all the boys and everything, it was like when the discussion went back to what was going on back home, it quickly shifted. You know, it's like, ah, let's talk about something else. You know, so. I think, I think this is a great place to live, to paddle as long as you live somewhere else for nine months out of the year. <laughs> That's, pretty... <laughs> That's my final <laughs> assessment. Uh, it's always good in March and April. Yeah. You can count on it in March and April. Yeah. 
And it used to be we could count on like December and January and February and May and June was pretty decent. And if you were lucky, July, and if you were lucky, October, and now it feels like it's like January through April. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that trend may continue. You guys may have to just move another like 400 miles North. I'm ready, man. You know what I'm saying? I know you are. I can, I can tell that I can sense it. I feel like we've, we, we stayed stuck it out in America for the last four years and put up the good fight. And now we've, we're ready to turn the page. And with our work being done, we can all move to Canada. We being, I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Me and Grace, <laughs> I'll go. Well, what about me? I, I don't know. The, the kiss of death on the white water, <laughs> man. It was all good until you moved here. Ooh, there's <laughs> right, a I'll there's a theory for you. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since Weld moved to your side of the country, oh, it's just been so brilliant over here. I think you're in a good it spot, was... Weld. You're in a good spot. Uh, I complain to to uh, to spice up the show, but it's it's a fine place to live. All seriousness. Yeah, we know you're kidding. Oh man, we haven't talked about the election yet. Um, like, I guess we can kind of wind this into policy. Lewis, what's uh, what's going on your front? I have a couple things I want to bring up, and I want to go right into some listener mail that kind of came your way. Man, um, listener mail. Some there's some anti-Lewis. First of all, people just so people know. It's not, it's not Lewis as in Lewis and Clark, right? Oh, it's, it's yeah. not L-E-W-I-S. Yeah, there's a lot of L-E-W-I-S's out there. It's L-O-U. It, it dry, yeah. You know, the only time that really annoys me is when I get emails addressed spelled that way. And it's like, like do you think I, I spell my name differently in my email handle than in reality? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, come on now. Maybe it's like like Chinese is phonetic, as long as it's sounding it out correctly, it works. <laughs> anyway, let's not let's let's stay focused here. Yeah, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about this quote unquote election, or you want to talk about? Let's not get into politics, or let's, let's just keep it as light as possible. I don't think anyone's turning to us for politics. But yeah. isn't policy so, a part of politics? Well, not not it, 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 just in general. It's, it, politics. it's all politics, but we can talk about. Let's yeah. Let's, let's keep let's it as this. it pertains to paddle sports. Sure. Okay. Um, so I guess kind of the biggest thing going on right now between now and the end of the year is our hopes that we're going to maintain protecting America's Wilderness Act, which includes. Three or four California bills with a bunch of wild and scenic rivers, wild Olympics, Colorado Wilderness Act, um, as well as the core act, you know, uh, keep those attached to the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. We, you know, had, a, you know, a good, good win here at the end of the summer in getting those bills, you know, attached to the House version of this defense appropriations bill. And, you know, the final version of that is currently being negotiated between the House and the Senate, like right now. And, you know, if we can keep those bills in there, that would be, um, you know, really significant set of, of public lands protections for, you know, for the Olympic Peninsula, for rivers in California. So, um, 
yeah, pretty hopeful to to see that. It feels like a bit of a long shot, but um, you know, right now the things that are that are really contentious in the NDAA are, you know, Trump is starting to veto it because there's provisions in there that would change military base names that are named after Confederate generals or whoever it was. And that's the thing that he's fixated on. So perhaps if the Democrats decide to let that go, maybe the thing that they say, okay, fine, we'll let you, you know, we'll hold off on doing this for now, but we're keeping these public lands provisions in there. So that might be one possible pathway to, to success. So I don't know. It feels like a bit of a long shot, but it's pretty cool that we got it as far as we did. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep pushing until, until, you know, things wind up here with this Congress. So is this also bound up in the threats to veto the legislation over social media company statuses or, or yes, that those are the two things that Trump is fixated on. And I'm not, I don't even really understand the, the business about these like social media stuff. And I know that's not a part of it now. It's like, he wants that in there, but it seems pretty ancillary to defense appropriations to me. So well, they I, have parlor. What else could you want? Go nuts. <laughs> Right? Thought we're not talking about I thought policy. we were keeping this on Boater. <laughs> Sorry. See, it's all related, man. It's all related. <laughs> I Come on, the parlor thing's like, funny. The parlor thing's funny. You could be, you could turn into a chan and that'll be fine. <laughs> all right. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. We're done. <laughs> Lewis, let me ask you a question. If you Please. went to Canada, what the hell would you do? Because you'd go to the government and be like, we demand X, Y, Z, and it needs to happen now. And the Canadian government would be like, Okay, yeah, I think what you're saying makes sense, and that'd be oh, the end of sorry. it. Then what did you? What would you do? <laughs> I know, like, I, it's that's no the biggest fight. problem. Is that I've, I've like made my bed professionally in interacting with the U.S. government, so there's like no escape for me. I don't that's know. <laughs> I'm stuck. John's stuck making kayaking gear, and I'm stuck paying attention to <laughs> U.S. politics. So the national uh, maybe Grace will hire us. The National Defense Authorization National Act. Defense Authorization Act, yeah. And what is the uh, bill's name that's attached to it? It's uh, the Protecting America's Wilderness Act, which encompasses five or six individual bills, as well as the CORE Act, which is the Colorado Outdoor Recreation Economy Act, and um, the Grand Canyon Centennial Protection Act, which is a big uh, mineral withdrawal for an area around the Grand Canyon that's threatened by uranium mining. And what can our listeners do to support this effort? Uh, go to OutdoorAlliance.org and send an email to your members of Congress. Another thing I want to throw your way, we got two more pieces to throw your way here, Lewis. Um, this comes at us from Snooze. And the headline is the Trump administration has already neutered the Great American Outdoors Act. There is a quote from Mr. Adam Kramer, executive director of the Outdoor Alliance. I believe that he's your boss. That's correct. He says the secretarial order kneecaps the land and water conservation fund signing the Great American Outdoors Act into law only to undermine its implementation suggests that the administration is more interested in political posturing than actually protecting and maintaining our country's public lands and waters. 
Our public public lands have already waited too long for the funding they direly need, and to have Interior cancel dozens of projects puts the outdoors at risk. Americans love their public lands and want to see them funded and cared for. With a global pandemic limiting indoor activities and gatherings, this has seen historic participation in the outdoors and a greater awareness of how much we need to invest to create more equitable access and maintain the places we get outside. So what have you with this? Is this is this a real thing or, or what's going on with Mr. David Bernhardt? It's a real thing. I mean, so basically you have the Great American Outdoors Act, which is a huge win, was um, establishing permanent funding for the Land and Water Conservation Fund. It's and pretty just... much the reason the Hammer Factor podcast exists. If this <laughs> past. You know, I mean, we've how many times have we talked about this one thing? More than anything. <laughs> So anyway, go on. Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the paddle length and offset of public lands advocacy for sure. <laughs> yeah, is the thing that we can't seem to get away from. And it's coming back um. again. It's coming back again. <laughs> I thought we were done with it. I know, right? I went up there, I fixed it, and now look, I know it's you back. Did, man. <sighs> anyway, go on. Uh, so anyway, I mean, so basically, like we we got permanent funding for LWCF. We got this huge pot of money for deferred maintenance, but then the land management agencies have to identify the LWCF projects that they want to spend money on, and they have to identify the deferred maintenance priorities. And DOI under Bernhardt basically dragged its heels, missed the deadline to submit their projects, finally did it. Um, the the LWCF project list is is not very clear. And then the um, he put out the secretarial order that basically said that the secretary was going to review the LWCF projects proposed by states for state funding and um, or no, so I'm, I'm sorry, review the 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 federal LWCF acquisitions and disallow any ones where the the governor of the state and the local government have not signed off on this federal land acquisition which is i mean it's just not how how this works it's like that was something that was you know roundly rejected legislatively and he's trying to you know circumvent that through this secretarial order which you know he has the ability to do but thankfully in another six weeks, David Bernhardt is not the Secretary of the Interior anymore. You know, this this secretarial order is getting balled up and thrown in the trash, and we're going to move on. So, you know, I mean, I think the practical effect of this is fairly limited, but it it's a reminder that, you know, these guys don't care about this stuff. Like, they're not interested in, you know, facilitating public access in conservation you know, they're interested in fighting ideological battles and, you know, uh, you know, helping along the fossil fuel industry. So, and, you know, I think honestly, we, we knew that all along, right? Like, you know, Trump's original budget last year had LWCF spending at essentially zero and then recognized that this was something he wanted to do to help uh, Cory Gardner, the senator from Colorado and Steve Daines, senator from Montana, win type reelections in, you know, very pro public land states, you know, Danes won, Gardner lost, but you know, the political utility of this for those guys is, has now come to an end. So they're back to trying to undercut it, but thankfully they don't have too much more time to do that. And the things that they're doing are readily reversible. So this, Onward. One, this one was a bummer when this came across my feed. Yeah. Day, I, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's just obnoxious, right? I mean, it's like it's not nothing to uh, it's nothing we're not going to fix. You know, this is going to get going to get taken and care of straight away but it's just you know no, another reminder of where you know david bernhardt's priorities are one other one lewis before we uh move down the show here um this comes at us um from maria bittner and this is about the stib night mine on the south fork in the headwaters of the south fork of the salmon river um <laughs> I'll just South salmon truther. Yeah. I'll Wait, can, can we just get a little overview of what we're talking about here? Okay. Yeah, well, let me re- let me read the the email and then uh, it, this is kind of a long email, so bear with me. I may summarize a few parts here, but let me read it and then Lewis, you can kind of. Okay. So, yeah, go ahead and set the tone here, Lewis. What is the Stib Night Mine on the South Fork of the Salmon? So this is a, a massive proposed gold mine, literally atop the East Fork of the South Fork of the Salmon the which is you know flows directly into the south fork of the salmon there's awesome white water on the east fork of the south fork the south fork itself is i would say almost inarguably the best at least legal big water multi-day in the lower 48 um it, it's an insane place to put in a massive gold mine um you know there's a uh, critical habitat for threatened and endangered species. You know, the whole Pacific Northwest has spent an absolutely unholy amount of money trying to mitigate the effects of this massive hydropower system on on um, salmon and other uh, anadromous fish. You know, putting a gold mine here is insane. But this is also an area that has had mining historically, and you know, there continues to be. Um, you know, leaching from old mining projects up there. And this this uh, Midas Gold Stibnite project is being pitched as, in part, a remediation for past mining okay. damage. Okay. Hang on with that before you explain that part of it. So Maria Bittner writes in, great email. Thanks for this, Maria. Uh, she says, love the show. She has a friend who's an engineer who works closely with Midas Gold. Um, she sends in some Google Earth images from the 1800s to the 1990s, and essentially there are, um, to ensure that these things happen, uh, the state requires a bond be held by the state with sufficient funding to do everything in the restoration plan if Midas Gold or next owners walk off. So basically as part of them getting a permit, they have to... Um, they being Midas. They being Midas Gold. The mining company has to restore the land, plant vegetation, put compost out. And she says, I believe the area will be re- returned to as close as pre-mining conditions as possible for preventing the further damage to the South Salmon. The big takeaway here is that the Save the Salmon group and us as paddlers should get involved by becoming familiar with the permit and should monitor and watch as mining proceeds instead of trying to drown the new mining activity altogether. If malevolent, if bad things happen, there could be evidence of breaking a legally bound permit and remediation could take place. Thanks for taking the mining perspective into consideration. My friend has asked that her name and company stays anonymous, but there are some of the thoughts that she had after working and writing on this tip for the last year. 
I have some things that I would like to say to this, but Lewis, I think you're more <laughs> in tune with what's going on here. I mean, we can talk about the bonds that have happened in the past with coal mining companies out this way and several other things, but I want your take on this, Lewis. Do you think Maria got paid to write us this email? <laughs> I, you know, she. I would not put it past Midas Gold for two seconds. To just, to to, just be to, planting this kind of just thing. To be, yeah, totally. Yeah. Just to to take us right into conspiracy theory land. I mean, I so I guess I've you know, I've heard this project described as you know the worst mining project run by one of the best mining companies. It's like these guys are not some fly by night operation. I don't doubt that they you know intend to do the things that they describe in here. The things that they describe are also. It, I mean, from an engineering standpoint, I mean, this is like, like the moon landing. Like, I just, I don't, I guess I just, I don't believe that it's necessarily possible to do everything that they're talking about doing up here. You know, it also is creating like tailings ponds and things that are, you know, going to require water treatment, you know, literally until the end of time. Like, this is not, um, you know, the bond, I mean, is the bond going to keep this stuff going forever? I don't know. I guess I just, you know, I don't, I don't know where to start exactly, but I mean, the things that they're talking about doing here, I mean, it's like they're, you know, they're not even describing their, their, their operations as a mining plan. They're describing it as a remediation plan. Like this is all part of like a massive greenwashing effort for what is, you know, a giant gold mine. I mean, mining is just incredibly destructive and, you know, the, the, potential impacts up here are not limited to like minor infractions that we would be monitoring. I mean, this thing has potential for like cataclysmic impacts, right? I mean, think about, um, you know, like the Mount Pauly mining disaster up in BC or like, I don't know, I'm sure there are heaps and heaps of other disasters where all of a sudden there's just one catastrophic release of, of toxic materials. I mean, this is like deadly serious. All you have to do is look at the Okoe River and the copper mines that used to be above the Akoi River. And I mean, every every river in Appalachia. There was a time, well, especially the Akoi, though, because you look at these images that of the mine, of the actual existing mine, the Stibnite mine, and it looks a lot like, on a smaller scale, though, the copper mines that were up there. But I mean, yeah, the Akoi River won't melt your eardrums anymore, but fish still certainly can't live in it, you know? So. We had a fish kill in the Castleman, which flees the Yawk from a 100 year old mine in the 90s, right? Yeah. 100% fish kill from a 100 year old mine in the Castleman. I don't know. I mean, I see her point, and it's a good idea, but there's just a place for things, and I just don't know if that is the place. And if you look at the size of the restoration versus the size of the new mining activity, I think it's like 90% what they're applying for in the permit is like 90% bigger than what is actually there now. It's massive. I mean, they're talking about, about like moving fish through lighted, like highway tunnels. Like it's like the scope of this thing is just insane. I mean, it's just insane. I don't know. I mean, we should have Melissa and Freddie on to talk about this because they're more knowledgeable about this than anybody, but it's, uh, don't, don't, don't believe the hype that you're getting from Midas Gold. I mean, it's just, uh, it is a very concerted and effective PR campaign. Like, don't repeat their talking points. Yeah. That's kind of what I got out of the email was 
it felt very PR y. But anyway, thanks for that email, Maria. Um, some good points in there for sure. Really? Move. Hmm. I mean, she talks about the bond and she explains some of the structures of the way the permit is. And I mean, somebody has to say that point. I mean, it's easily proven to not be the best course of action, but you can't. I mean, those things are happening, right? <laughs> we don't know. Okay. <laughs> don't get mad at me, Lewis. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. <laughs> don't you the messenger. Oh, man. What now? What now? Lewis, is there anything else you would like to fill our listeners in? Uh, on the policy front? I don't know. We can talk about it some more in the, in the 2021 prediction stuff, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, good play. I want to talk about, should we talk about Green Race? Oh, let's move into some Green Race. Um, Man, so where do I start? How many people got COVID? Mm. <laughs> Nobody got COVID. <laughs> Nobody got COVID. That you know of. I mean, I did quite a bit of asking around. So, no. so your contract tracing program is as robust as your <laughs> vaccine development. <laughs> I mean, I asked at least 30 or 40 people if they knew anyone who had COVID from the green race and Knock on wood. I mean, we're past the window now. We're almost a month out, so. Kayakers don't get COVID. There's no kayaking in the green. There's no COVID in the green. It doesn't exist right. down in there. Yeah. The water's washed away. Maybe if you exclusively off. paddle in rivers polluted by toxic mining runoff, you'll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's always a yin and a yang. <laughs> um, so, Greener. So, I guess like everything in 2020 it was how are you going to do it like how are restaurants going to serve food how are factories going to stay open how is everything going to happen so that was kind of our take when we were talking about it and we were pretty you know we had some interesting ideas rolling around but the pretty much what we came to was the race itself the race itself is, you know, as about as safe as you can be as far as disease transmission. You know, you're way away from each other. Um, you know, if there's a rescue, there could be a point where people get really close together. But that's really about it. You know, there's a 15-minute car ride um, that people are together. But, you know, it's not like you're, you know, at a concert or a political rally or something. You know what I'm saying? So, but the big problem was the spectators. Really? I would think it'd be exactly like a concert or political rally. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what am I missing? What happens at the end when you have awards? Well, hang on, hang on. And how come you can't get COVID in a car? Well, I don't understand that either. <laughs> you want like, to overlook that? You want to hear an interesting story about COVID in a car? Yeah. So yeah, here we go. <laughs> I, I was in the weeks leading up to Green Race um, in the car with somebody. We're all face coverings, you know, masked up on the car ride and whatever. And one of the people I was in the car with um, tested positive for COVID. So I'm like, oh, God, here we go. So I go down to the thing, get tested. And it was like three days after I was riding in the car with them. And the lady was like, ah, three days. I don't know if you show up. Do you have any symptoms? I was like, no, 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 I feel fine. 
And like, well, you should come back in a couple days. And I, she was like, well, why do you think you were exposed? And I was like, well, somebody I was in, with, riding with in the car for 15 minutes on a shuttle tested positive. She's like, ah, I don't know if that's really exposure. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I was in a car with somebody, you know, with, like had COVID. To me, that's like exposure. You know, I don't, I don't know. But she's like, ah, I don't know. Come back in a couple days. So anyway, I came back. Right as I was getting my test, the person called me. It was. It turned out it was a false positive. Their PCR test came back negative, so it was all for nothing. But I guess the point of me saying that is if you're in a short car ride, the nurse who was doing the testing was like, ah, you're masked up. It was only 15 minutes. I don't know. Yeah, this so. is according to the nurse in uh, <laughs> in Greenville, South Carolina, wherever the hell you are. Here we go. It might just to be clear on that. Here we go. So, <laughs> so anyway, not to discredit nurses, but this is, this is a single data point that, that that's all we're saying, right? <laughs> I can't wait to get into the vaccine later in the show. There's nothing to get into. Yeah. It's just like your nurse topic right here. But the Grace big problem me on, the, on how safe the vaccine is or not safe the vaccines or how we don't know. And, and my, this is before the show. I'm like, you can say whatever you want. I'm not listening to anything you have to say about the vaccine. Well, I'm not I, listening I listen to what the, you can say about if, my nurses. I have to go to the doctor. My nurses if I have a wrong. medical condition. I'm not going to ask Grace what he thinks. <laughs> go to the doctor. You should consider. <laughs> Grace may or may not be right on whether I have leukemia or not, but I'm going to go ahead and wait to go to the doctor to see for sure. <laughs> well, you can always get a second opinion, but come to me first. I might do that. <laughs> so anyway, the spectators are a problem because – for over three hours, people are shoulder to shoulder. I mean, you right. just can't you just can't look at the green race and in the age of COVID in a normal year and be like, ah, you should be doing that. So you know? I mean, so seriously, what do you do? I mean, you you are like the responsible thing to do is to cancel the race, but you don't want to do that. No paddler wants to do that, and people are obviously showing up and assuming the risk on their own, right? Regardless of the burden that may to the healthcare system or not. I mean, what's the right thing to do here? Well, what Lewis, we... what's the right thing to do? I'm going to ask you first. I already know your answer, Grace. You, you had the race. And I'm not judging. I just want to know what, what, the, what your consensus is or what your thought is. Oh, Lewis or mine? Lewis. I mean, I guess I would not. If it were me, I probably would not have had the race. But I respect John and all of his efforts, and I'm keen to hear how it all went. So, so Dane won. Dane won. He didn't, he didn't break four minutes. I'm going to get to that. So our solution is, okay, we're not going to do any spectators, okay? So I go to NC Wildlife, and I'm like, hey, we want to have this event, um, but we don't want to have spectators in there. And they're like, we can't close down the game lands. You know, it's public lands. We're not going to tell you not to have your race. You should tell everybody not to come, but we are not going to enforce that and whatnot. And... You know, and so I was, I was kind of like, well, how, what, you know, what do we do? And I was working a trade show in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and I was doing prepackaged content for this live show. And they had this demo center that was like three quarters of a mile away. And they had six cameras coming into the, the studio switcher bus from way from like across a parking lot over a field across a football field, like way the hell away. And I'm like, are they streaming all those cameras in or whatever? And the guy's like, no, 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 they're all on fiber. And I was like, I was, 
immediately dismissed it because fiber is extremely expensive. And in the same breath, he's like, yeah, fiber's really come down. It's not that bad. It's only about a dollar a foot nowadays. And right as he said that, I was like, ah, that's what we'll do, that we can get this, we can do a string, we can show the green race through a piece of fiber. I can get it out of the canyon with that. Hmm. So as soon as, uh, as soon as I got home, I told Chelsea, I called Hale and I was like, I got it. I got a plan. This is what we're going to do. And so we figured out basically a way to, you know, kind of lure people away from hiking in to watch the live stream. There were probably, I don't know, there was family of the juniors down there. It was amazing. Almost everybody stayed away. It was just the racers and a core crowd down in there. Safety guys, fire and rescue guys family members of a few people and then that was it i mean it was like a ghost town down in there and race went off super well um super core crowd it was just uh it was like 1999 again you know it was just like a core group in there it wasn't crowded and uh yeah it all went down there was virtually no carnage we had man and i gotta give a shout out to all the sponsors for the green race because every one of the sponsors could have had a million reasons to not support that race this year. Any one of them could have had a million different reasons. And I mean, you know, we weren't even having a awards festival and NRS is like, ah, we want to go ahead and do it. You know, we call Blackburn and Blackburn's like, ah, you know, I'm in, I'm in. And I want to go to another level, you know, and just, that was super, uh, it felt good to have the industries back, you know, trying to pull this off. So, race, so, go ahead. So, what happened with the live stream? So, we were, I was super fired up to watch it. Like, just, I don't know. I like watching racing and the green race is sick. And <clears throat> we were fired up to watch it. And we, there was some problem with the live stream, right? Like, you couldn't. So, so I, we ended up, somebody sent us the link because we couldn't pay for it. So, I owe you 35 bucks, Grace. It's all good. That happened. <laughs> you have no idea how much that happened. So this is so what happened was we did a two hundred percent race the week before. So anytime you're doing something live, you gotta have a lot of redundancy. Okay. So you gotta have redundant power sources, redundant cables, redundant cameras, you know, because things happen when you're doing anything live. And so the week before I sent out a message to some of the heavies and I was like, boys, we need to do a full dry run of this thing down in the canyon with the power source, the whole nine yards, make sure it works. So we had a 200% race, which was sick. Dane got a 350 in that race. Oof. Um, and Calhoun got a 358. So there were two Whoa. two people who uh, broke four minutes in the 200% race. And anyway, we did the race, had the whole thing happen. The whole process was working. Uh, people were... Um, getting their pay-per-view paying for it the action was happening it was all there everything worked perfect throughout the week everything was working perfect and i'm going to blame this on algae hmm. so, so i had algae dixie Marie prickett and brian miller as our hosts gave them a, a, a list of talking points some ideas whatever and they just ran with it and they did incredible if you watch the show those guys did pretty damn good don't you think lewis yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it was they, like a very like '90s rodeo vibe, kind of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the way they were dressed up and all nine yards. Anyway, what happened? So algae gets on. I'm like, I went down at like 7:30 in the morning before the race. Hooked up everything. Me and Chris Wing were 
getting the the final strings across the blah 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 connecting everything up. Algae gets down there. I'm like, all right, Algae, let's go. Let's do a quick live on Facebook. Show everybody the cameras because when we did the 200% race, we didn't have all of the cameras and the whole setup exactly how they were going to be. It was a light show, but this we had all the cameras. I was like, let's do an overview of the course. Let everybody know they've got 30 minutes um, to get signed up, and and we're gonna we'll do the show. So Algie gets up there, gives this like impassioned speech, you know, and is talking about the green and whatever. And I'm, you know, working with Brad Roberts, who is a professional switch operator. He works for CNN and whatever. And I'm like, you know, cut to this drone, cut to that camera. Let's bring it back up. Let's go to Algie. One off him. Camera four, take the water. You know, and like it's going through and it's like all happening. (laughs) And, and, uh, (laughs) And so it's all happening and it's great. And boom. And everything is good. And we've got a guy up at the top of the field, Jack Pitfield. Uh, big props to him. He is the technology director at French Broad River Academy. He was running the, the streaming up at the internet site. And he's like, it looks good. Everything's working. I'm like, it's working. You know, all of, you know, it's like I've been like hiking in and out of this canyon for two weeks, you know, and like finally it's all working. And then he's like, he's like, uh, He's like, uh, I just got a message. The website's down. And I'm like, I'm like, what? What the fuck? It's been, we've done this whole thing all week. Like of all of the things that have been happening, that was not what I thought was going to happen. So I call my web developer or I don't call him cause I'm down the Canyon. I give Jack the number. Um, he doesn't answer. And so then I'm like, Oh shit. You know, I'm like, okay, I can't get a hold of him. I'm down in the canyon. I can't get to any service. Chelsea is down here. You know, I'm like, okay, Chell, get on the radio. Give Jack all our hosting information, our host provider, and see if they can see what's going on. So goes through, gets a low-level person, and it's kind of like when your internet's broken. They're like, well, did you check the power cord? And then they like send you through the whole process of like, you know, checking all of the different buttons off. And so they send him down this malware path and all of this stuff that, I mean, the site had a fresh install of site lock and all this SSL security stuff. And we told him that wasn't it, but he's up there and they're like, well, they really feel like this is it. I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. There's something else going on. They need to, you know, they need to dig a little deeper, but he can't get them off of the run so i'm just like all right send an email out to everybody who's already bought the show so you know to a direct link send that out to everybody who's bought the show so at least everybody who's paid can watch it bummer we're not going to have any anybody else jump on right now but whatever it's this i mean the title of this year's green race was the show must go on so at that point it was like the show must go on and we got that out and you know, did the race, did the stream, did the whole thing. It turns out, you know, cause I couldn't get a hold of anybody until I got out of the Canyon after the race, four hours later, I get on the phone. It was a, a glitch with a new version of, um, with some new version of the, of the payment software that was recently updated. And we just put the old version on there and it worked perfect. So that was what happened with this snafu it was basically like there was like 2000 people in like 20 minutes that 
tried to access it and it kind of blew it up. <laughs> but race was sick. Um, times were fast. We have 15 juniors this year. The junior class is just amazing out there. Stacked girls class. We had two girls, um, Sage, Sage Donnelly. She is right on Adrian's tail. Um, um, she got a strong second in, in the ladies division. Dane did not quite break four minutes. If you look at his race or his recap, he had one bobble at power slide and he was on pace to do it. I mean, literally you can't have one bobble and, uh, no, I was sick. I was, uh, I was beyond stoked that everything happened, went the way it did. There was that one That's staff awesome, on the dude. website. Congrats, man. <laughs> yeah, really that cool. was cool. <clears throat> Are you going to stick with the live stream next year, you think? I think I'll do the live stream. I mean, I've got the cable. I've got thousands of dollars of fiber optic cable, you know. Oh, wow, you bought it. It wasn't like a shed. You rental can't, thing. You can't rent it. You can rent it in 500-foot sections, but it's 3,000 it. feet to get it in and out of there. Dude, so. that's really cool, man. But it was sick. I was stoked. I mean, 2020, we made it happen. Um, everybody had a great time. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it was... It was just a great race. My race run. You want to hear about my race run real quick? Before we get yeah, you looked good for what I saw of you on the live stream, but yeah. it sounded like maybe it went awry elsewhere. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> I, so first of all, put myself back with like Jared Seiler, Evan Garcia, Jason Hale, because I was like, I didn't have much time to hang out with everybody. So I was like, I'll just hang out with everybody right at the start of the race. It's Evan's first race. You know, it'll be like fun to just get his reaction right at the start line and whatever. So I put myself right behind Evan. And, uh, so anyway, we're, Hale and I are like, all right, let's walk up there. So we walk all the way up there. It's about a, I don't know, 20-minute walk up to our boat from Gorilla where everything was happening. I get to my boat, and I'm like, oh, I left my paddle at Gorilla. So my start time is coming up, so I run all the way back down. It's not an easy walk. You're up and over boulders. You know how it is in a stream bed. All the way down, get my paddle, get back up there. I'm in my boat like seven minutes before they're like, all right, we're getting ready to go. And uh, started my race run, felt real good through Frankenstein, was super loose. I, I wasn't tired or anything. I felt really good. I get to the next rapid, and I was just, I don't know, Johnson Branch. I was maybe 18 inches too far left, and I just went over and just pitoned and just stuck right there, like a low-angle vertical pin. And just, I'd never flipped in that rapid, never pinned in that rapid, hardly ever mess it up. It's a little class three drop just broached fell over on my right side landed on my head flipped rolled up was like broached between the next two rocks had to back out turn around out of breath i was just like you know (laughs) it was like 30 seconds into my race and uh but then after that it was clean i didn't mess anything up i was just i just kept it clean and i don't know stoke was high stoke was high that's awesome dude Lewis, you got to get back out here for another race. I know. Rush and I were talking about it. We might. Maybe one of these days we'll bring a bring a big Gorge crew out. You should, man. It's fun. It is, it's a it's shred awesome. fest, dude. It's just, uh, it's just so hard for, you know, like, working man, like, just with, like, limited vacation time. You know, it's, like, hard to be like, okay, I'm going to spend a week out there for Green Race instead of a week in California doing multi-days or something, you know? But it's uh, it would be cool. 
Oh yeah. Try and get try and get one more before I'm too old and washed up. And dude, it was such a good paddling year. Like just like the whole weeks leading up to it and the flows and the whole nine yards. So Sounds like it. Anyway. It's scary, man. I don't yeah. How many times do you have to run gorilla that week? <laughs> one time I went, I was just like, oh, man, I got like five more gorilla runs and I can go home. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. Did we lose Weld? We did. Huh. Let's see where he went here. Maybe his, his dust up with the internet guys come back to bite him. Ooh. He's going to really be mad. Your internet messed up? The guy, the guy, I think they could shut our internet off. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for this interruption. Weld's internet did go out last night. We're jumping right hey, back into it. This is 24 sandwich. hours later. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where I left off with the green race last night when Weld's internet blacked out. I um, told you I was, I was being a, a dick to the internet the, the, the <laughs> internet installer guy, and he shut me off. He did, he did shut <laughs> No joke. Off. He left and he shut everything off. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, 25 years, super thankful we could have the race. Always incremental improvements, trying to do things a little better every year. And uh, I don't know. I don't remember where I was at. It was awesome. Thanks to all the volunteers, all the safety guys, all the sponsors, all the people that helped out with the live show. Jason Hale, Chelsea Grace, my wife in particular, Tommy Hillicky coming out every year, manning up on all the safety. Um, I don't really know what else to say. It was freaking shred fest. It was super fun. Do you guys have any questions before? You know what? We'll have to bring on Evan here. So we got uh, Evan Garcia. E.G. the killer, who was in his first race this year, so he may have a perspective. I'm so jaded, I don't even know what's going on half the time. So, you know. I neither. I thought we were going to get a little like second half pre-show going before I had to say anything of consequence. Now we're right into it. It's time. To if we that. did this every time, we could do like an eight-hour hammer factor. <laughs> just break it up, the recording over like six or seven days. You know, I was kind I was of just thinking it's time to get this on Patreon. <laughs> Yeah, people may have to subscribe to see this soon. You know, uh, I want to. Should we get into the Lewis hate mail before we bring Evan on? Because we have a whole category in our show notes here. I'm not sure this is. I'm not sure this is all deserving, dude. I'm on your side on most of this. Just so you know, I'm on Lewis's side on all of it. I'm ready to get your back. I'm your pit bull. Actually, I should take that back. I'm not sure. I have to read through these again. I may not be on your side at all. All of these. Uh, well, let's go ahead and bring. But it, it looks like I'm on your side. Just glancing through them here. Look, we just lost Lewis. Well, he's done. That's it. Can't take the heat. <laughs> you there, Lewis? Yeah, I'm here. All right. So Tim, Tim writes in. Uh, he's got a Lewis Stern Squirt rant. He says, sorry, we are not all elite class five kayakers like you. Many of us are just three, four boaters looking for ways to make the river more interesting and share the stoke for a good time. For whitewater to grow, we need to highlight the fun of going down river because the class five shit runners will always be a small, small percentage of our sport. Don't insult intermediate kayakers or the content they create just because it's so beneath you. 
No one is forcing you to watch it, Tim. Lewis, what's Tim talking about? What was his? What was the Stern Squirt rant? Oh, I remember this. Lewis was like, "This was don't show me any more <clears throat> of your squirting on an Eddie line videos." I mean, I, I guess what I specifically had in my head when I was ranting about that was actually Dane Jackson videos, where it's like, you know, ninety percent of it is him doing you know rad things that none of us will ever hope to accomplish, and then you have this interlude of gopro shots of him spinning around in a stern it's like this is boring it's making me nauseous i don't want to see this we all know how to do a pivot turn like get back to getting rad yeah. <laughs> that that was where, I, where that was really coming from but it really applies to everybody so don't feel like i'm i'm casting stones specifically in the direction of you intermediate class three motor although i don't really want to see your gopro video of you doing stern squirts either <laughs> So I don't know. You, you just think you just think people should limit the pointless content, the point, the pointless uh, content. It's totally pointless. It's like the like like driving to the river shot. Like like doing stern sports on an eddy line is b roll. Like I don't want to see it. I want nothing but bangers. <laughs> All right. Well, I, kind of, I in your defense, I kind of felt like you were communicating to the elite voter. You weren't talking. I felt like you were talking <clears throat> within the circle, like. Boys, don't let me see your scorn search shit anymore. Okay, I get it. You're promoting the boat. We know it's stern squirts. Let's move on. You don't think there's a genre of whitewater kayaking videos and you have to tick off certain boxes to, to make it a whitewater video? Like you have to have a stern squirt, you have to have a you have to have a car scene. You have to have people making mugs at the camera while they're in the car. <sighs> I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If I wanted to watch somebody doing Stern Swords, I'd dust off my copy of Fun Forever. All right, what's the best kayaking <laughs> video ever made? What's the standard by which we all should be held to? Like film or like three-minute clip? Uh, I don't know. We could, I, I don't know. Either one, I guess. Both. You could do like an Academy Awards of kayaking and best three-minute video and best feature. I don't know. I've watched some Why my pick? Videos. I don't even My know. favorites are Halloween Carnage by BDP. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you being serious? Yes. And uh, the historic animus footage video created by Team Beer. I'm going to say Cavu Day. To me, Cavu Day is, is, the, is, is the best vid- kayaking video you could ever make. That's very high on the list. That was like a 70s, what? 70s clip? Thir- 30s. 30s. <laughs> yeah. Dan Gavir. No, uh, aren't. Yeah. Copy Day is, is high, high, high on my list. Yeah. And Seven Rivers Expedition, honestly. Yeah. Well, well let's keep on to the, to the Lewis train here. Because Emmett writes right. in. He says, uh, my name is Emmett, and I'm a longtime listener. I work at Adventurec, a raft and kayak hostel in Mexico. During my winters, as a as their kayak manager, he's the kayak manager. This is just gratuitous shot at me. I don't even know where he's coming from. On this, I but... imagine with the new stay-at-home orders in the U.S. and plenty of media coming out of kayakers traveling around the world right now, you guys have traveling to kayak on your mind. I just that ask that if you're going to discuss it on your show, you avoid it being Lewis spouting about the irresponsibility of it. I say this with all the love and respect in my heart. And instead, get some opinions from boots on the ground. In Mexico right now, we have our own COVID policy, similar to rafting kayak companies in the U.S., and we're trying (laughs) to keep our impact on the surrounding 
community <laughs> minimal, as well as prevent any possible spread through our clients. I'd be happy to speak on or off the air about the details of what we're doing in the and what the international kayak scene is looking like these days. Congratulations to John Grace for somehow not hosting a super spreader event. I was at the green race and felt I could keep myself safe through the process. Emmett. Man, I, I, I have nothing to say to the substance of this one way or the other, but I'm just distressed that not only am I now getting shit for things that I said and things that John Weld said, I'm getting shit prospectively for things that people imagined I might say in the future. <laughs> we'll get used to it. I got heat for that for the for the women dry suit comment, which I never made, and I continue to get heat for that. Oh, that was true. called me that out for defending total. myself for something I never said. <laughs> that was bold, Weld. That was bold. That was bold. Well, okay, so I read this email first saying, I had to say, do you think, and Emmett, I'm not, this is no disrespect, but I'm wondering if English is his first language. It just was phrased weird. It was, But that was A. B, this kind of gets to what I'm talking about with the green race, right? Is that, you know, you go to the takeout at the wind, and there's 50 kayakers there, Right. And it's not if you were to follow the guidelines of the CDC or whatever, that's not proper protocol for and they're all running shuttle and whatnot. But those same people getting in their shuttles to run the wind are the same people ridiculing the Trump rally. Right. It's such we all are assuming risks here and we all just assume the risks that we're taking are acceptable and the risks that everyone else is taking are stupid and laughable. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, first of all, I'm going to guess that most of those people were wearing masks. A lot of those people lived together in various combinations. Not Well, not from what I was seeing, but go ahead. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess the there thing... There were people I, wearing masks, but, you know. The thing I felt about all this is, like, you know, like, at the beginning, I felt like we were all going to, you know, do what we were, you know, do what was the prescribed, you know, follow the prescribed safety measures do what we were told we were all going to be in this together everybody was going to do the responsible thing we were going to get through this together and it over the course of the last nine months it's quickly became apparent that you might as well just do whatever seems right to you because that's the most you could expect from anybody else nobody else is going to do anything you know it's every man for himself here at this point right like i mean do you feel like we're there are people i mean i don't know like i'm i'm overreacting i guess and i'm certainly don't mean to suggest that i'm not taking this seriously and i wouldn't want to see other people doing the same but it's like i guess i felt like there was a time when it felt irresponsible to exercise your own judgment because you were encouraging other people who had no judgment to do the same but now it's apparent that that's all that can be expected of anybody nobody's just gonna say we're all gonna follow these guidelines even if they seem stupid to us I mean, you know what I'm saying? I hear exactly what you're saying. It's such a patchwork of guidelines and, you know. Well, it's a patchwork. People, people definitely pick and choose how they're going to how they're going to deal with this problem, which is fine. I understand that. You know what I mean? And everyone you say we're just going to reduce our risk in general and that's going to be good enough. But what gets me is when you get people who on one hand go to the awards ceremony at the green race, which I get. I understand you're outside, but it's at a risk of some sort. And then they're just on their high horse t 10 minutes later talking about a very similar event that didn't happen to include kayakers. And they're, they think it's the worst thing ever. I see that over and over again. That's a little bit annoying to me. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying there. I don't know. It's... You really buried the lead there, well, which is that you went kayaking. Yeah, I did. Listen, my kid, I got a problem. And my kid is, is in world-class kayaking seven days a week in a bubble with, you know, everything's totally set up for him. He's going to come back. 
and be a much better boater than me, which is not, this is not sitting well with my frail, <laughs> my frail ego. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to get check-ins on this. Oh, man. Because it's happening. I, 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 ran into, I ran into Bondo at the bakery this morning, and he, we had a long conversation about our various schemes to get you back in the game well. <laughs> I'm ready. I, I'm seriously ready, and, and I would do want to boat more. I definitely have mixed feelings about running shuttles with four or five people in a car, right? Because I yeah, just can't, I can't get sick. I cannot get sick. I can't have a business get shut down for two weeks because someone gets sick. I can't have that happen. Can I you know totally. I mean? that just even from health aside, from practical standpoint, it'd be such an enormous pain in the ass for me. Can I tell you? Can I? Run, I, I want to share something. I want to share something. Show with Max. I mean, Max, Max just Ian. thought he Max is in quarantine right now because the person he lives with, I think, just tested positive. So, I mean, you, you, you guys, once again, you assume Max is safe because he's a kayaker, but he's not. He lives with a nurse. <laughs> he lives with two nurses. <laughs> Can I share an experience with you guys? And this comes back to Green Race. And, you, and it's interesting because we're talking about the coin, the flip side of the coin where, you know, it was uh, too risky to have the Green Race. But when I came out with the whole, we're going to still do the race, but spectators take a year off, I got at least 30 or 40 hate mail messages. You're taking away our freedom. You know, we're going to be in there, you know, whatever. I'm like, dude, people telling me the percentage of people, this and that. I'm like, look, dude, I know the percentages, but I don't want anybody to have to take a week or two off work. I was like, there's people here volunteering. I don't want them to like go home. Or just like, put three more people in emergency room that don't need to be there. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and even if that's not going to happen, it's bad enough for someone you know, yeah, I don't want to get the EMS guys sick, you know, or whatever. I'm just like, just stay home. It's just like, there's no events going on. I'm doing this the most responsible way I think that we can, you know? So it's a, it's a weird coin. Like you're talking about one, you know, one side is this, the other side is this. And you got to look at it. Like we all have this timeline. Your timeline is only this much, you know, like how much are you going to chop off and leave sitting in your room, you know, or, you know, it's interesting decision-making. Can we get back to the Lewis hate here? Or are we still on COVID? I keep hoping we're just going to divert away from the Lewis hate. All right. What else you got? This comes from going. Abe. Abe Herrera. He says, hey, guys, love the show. Would love to discuss the possibility to join you for a river safety awareness chat. I think this would be really good. Been a rescue chainer for 13 years and agree that kayakers need specific training for kayakers from kayakers. <clears throat> Although it is hard to find specific classes like that, but it would be good, so good to offer this option. Rescue gear is another good topic and the advantages to use a rescue vet versus non-belt. Lots of people don't use it, including Lewis, and I wonder sometimes if people realize this single piece of equipment can make a huge difference on a rescue situation in many ways as a rescuer or a victim. Anyway, I think it's a great opportunity to open people's minds on safety and try to generate more awareness within our community, and people are hungry for knowledge. Would love to share real rescue scenarios and outcomes, lessons learned, and maybe even yak about the philosophy of rescue. I see a good opportunity to do something for our community, and you have a great space for it. Looking forward to hearing from you. Good lines, Abe. So you just don't ever wear a rescue vest, Lewis? No, I definitely do. I don't all the time. Like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And I've probably tilted a little too far in the direction of don't but yeah i mean i do if i'm like going on a mission for sure 
but I've kind of gotten out of the habit of wearing them every day around here, which is probably not the greatest idea. And is that for a comfort thing? You just like the way a different one fits or? Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, I have a green jacket and then I have that, is it called the YTV, that like astral, real light, nice playboating vest. Yep. And I just, I've kind of gotten in the habit of wearing that thing 90% of the time, but I should probably swing back the other direction. I went and did a South Salmon with just Abe and I. That was probably the last time we paddled together, and that's probably what he was thinking of. And I reckon I must not have had a proper life jacket. <laughs> he but still spelled your name wrong, too. Yeah. Abe, Abe is the man, though. And he's, I mean, I just, I'll just tell you one quick Abe story. And we might have even had told this story before about the guy who broke his femur on the Cispus. Um, it was like during. Cispus Fest a few years ago, and somebody who was not a part of the Cispus Fest but had just shown up um, swam with that uh, double drop on the Cispus or island drop, I guess it's called, and uh, broke his femur. <clears throat> and the search and rescue guys showed up with this like huge truck with like all this rescue gear, but they just like you know didn't really know how to use it. It was just kind of a bunch of weekend warrior guys, like real big heavy dudes who you know really were not up to the job. And I guess Abe had been, I don't know, maybe he had trained those guys in the past, so they were kind of willing to accept direction from him. And, you know, Abe just, like, led, you know, this whole group of guys plus, um, you know, the kayakers and, uh, and, and sorry, I'm getting a call on my computer. I don't know how to turn it off. Um you know, led this whole group of guys and like set up this like unbelievably complex rope system that involved setting multiple ropes all the way across the river, you know, 200 feet below the, the level of the road, pulling this guy up across the river and up like two or 300 feet, you know, a litter and just pulled this whole thing off like so quickly. And I was just like, man, like Abe is like, I was like, A, I need to get better rope stuff, and B, Abe is somebody I want to go on missions with because he is on it. So, you got to have on for sure. Lewis, do you wear a mask when you go to the store? Oh, yeah. 100%. But you, but you don't wear a rescue vest when you go to the creek? Hmm. Well, hmm. I mean, can you, can you do anything with a rescue vest if you have two people and, you know, the other person's... It's like you can't... I mean, what are you going to do with a rescue vest if you don't have somebody to like lower you in? You know, like if you're paddling with one other person, is the rescue vest even doing you any good at that point? Can't you just stay six feet apart from your other people in the store? Uh, <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> so I, I carried like when I worked on the river, I carried a first aid kit. You know, an Nalgene bottle was made a first aid kit and an Nalgene, and. I use that thing probably five to six times a year with other parties on the river, right? So someone, I come to another party and they had their head cut open from falling upside down or flipping over cucumber or something. I'd be the only one within a mile of the scene to have a, a first aid kit with me. So sometimes it's just not about you and your media crew also. Yeah, no, it's fair. I'm just playing with you, Lewis. Finally, Hayes lays into all of us. This is a long email, so I'm not going to put the whole thing of on it. Starts out, he says, part one gave us props on uh, the rescue story. Um, we're, you know, we're a nice release from COVID as we talk about COVID here on the show. 
We'll see if Evan's going to get the vaccine too. Did you guys research my article? I read it. It didn't say anything about the health health <sighs> issues. Okay. It said whether it's effective or not. So, you know, part two, basically he's got a reoccurring self-injury at the hammer factor. It was just a few episodes ago with regards to the Black Lives Matter protest. Grace said he was doing a lot of listening and Lewis said he was reading Black Faces, White Spaces. Get to the bottom of this. Quit dodging it, he says. Um, we're in a death match to hold on to our public lands and, and take climate action before it's too late. Lays in into us about this. Um, about Grace is trying to build a media empire here with the, with the hammer factor. How are you going to do that? Um, and no mentioning of women right now, for Christ's sake. Well, it's constantly bemoaning the economics of the voting industry. How about a vision of expanding the market beyond 18 to 30-year-old white rose strategy? Um, obviously, he cares to some degree about the hammer factor. He's a fan. Um, we're smart, funny, and respected by many. Um, there's an opportunity here. Hammer factor needs to step up, basically. What say you boys? Let me respond to this. I would say my perspective on this email. So, all right. So the hammer, what's the, we, the hammer, to me, the hammer factor is an extension of the phone conversations that I would have with Grace and Geltman that went on for an hour sometimes just talking. This, it, literally what we talk about here on the show is what we talk about on the phone. That's all the show was to me and not, not a whole lot more. Plus now the addition of listener mail putting in their two cents, which we, we, we uh, endure, right? But I'm unapologetic. <laughs> I'm unapologetic for any other aspect of this sh show. You, you know, I mean, it just is what it is. It, to me, Hammer Factor is not a place to be a showcase for our our stances about Black Lives Matter or women's activity in the sport. If you want, if you want more information, I'm not going to sit here and promote IR. But if you want more information about IR is doing in this regard, I definitely point to our website, see what we're doing as a business. And you guys have your own businesses and things you're involved with that is outside of the show where that stuff really matters. And you have a place to do that. To me. Hammer Factor just isn't, it's just about talking about the shit we want to talk about that's going on in the paddle world. And a lot of times it involves women, sometimes it doesn't. Black Lives Matter is a paddling issue at hand, but, and it's something I think we want to shoot and explore, but I, I don't be, I don't feel like it's fair to hold us to a standard, you know, much more than that. Lewis? I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I guess for me, like, I, it's like, I feel like that was a good summation of how it started out. And I feel like we've developed this audience and sort of ended up somewhat inadvertently with this voice in the paddling community. And with that comes a responsibility or at least an opportunity to do some of the things that Duke Bro is talking about. And you know, I want to continue doing that. And they're like, I guess I feel a responsibility for us to continue doing that. But, you know, that's, I don't see that as like a fundamental change in what we're doing here. Just, you know, I want to, I guess I feel like we've created this platform and we have some responsibility to use it as a force for good. Grace. I agree with Lewis a lot there. Uh, I certainly do not go into a show or putting together show notes other than things that pop into my head when I'm on the river or I'm going for a jog or something like that. It's not, um, 
and it's really I try to keep it as whitewater based as possible and but there's something to be said there and it's flattering to get an email like this you know this is someone who's like hey man you guys really may have an opportunity to affect some opinions here so that's flattering in that regard I don't know to be honest if I'm the guy to do that I know it's hard because it's like I feel like in a lot of ways it's like I feel like we started this show with you know not any sense of ambition about it it was just something you know and it continues just to be something we do because it's fun but you know I guess it just kind of snowballs to a point where we got to do more than just have fun with it but I still want that to be most of it because otherwise fuck it (laughs) (laughs) well we should get EJ on the not EJ EG I keep saying that I'm sorry so Mr. Garcia, I got some, I got something to say real quick before we get Evan on the phone. You know, was it last episode when we were Kara got on and was talking about um, the yacht race and some and uh, somebody a guy ran over a girl and there was ensuing yes. drama after that. Yes, that was last episode or whatever. Uh, yeah, one of the two parters. <laughs> Funny story. So let me just tell you, at the green race, mm. Adrian was running dudes over. Dude, practice lap, dude. She is just taking people out, running over them like at the bottom of Gorilla, smashing them on the slides, the whole nine yards. And dude, we get in the car, and Dane's there, and a couple other people. And Hale's like, dude, Dane, it, guy or girl, if you just were on the river and ran somebody over like she just ran that dude over at Nisa's Pieces, you'd all it already be on social media right now wouldn't it you'd be getting laid and he's like oh dude i could never do that shit you know whatever <laughs> but adrian's out there just t-boning dudes the whole week man she spent a week of just running people over what are you saying rubbing's racing nobody it's all good I, i'm saying it's all good i think that we should not worry so much about if it's a girl running over a guy or a guy running over a girl well, that's not the world we live in, unfortunately. I don't know about guy-girl thing, but, you know, if I say one stupid thing on the river, the guy from my R is an asshole. Oh, I hear her. I hear about it. <laughs> Let me tell you. Come back to the chat channels. Anyway, that was just an interesting observation. So that one's going to get me talked about on the Ladies of Whitewater Forum. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can bring Evan on here. Evan Garcia. Dude, Evan came out and just nailed it as far as water conditions and the whole nine yards this year. I mean, it was literally the third. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Evan Garcia. (laughs) Ah, the three wise men. (laughs) Anyway, Evan, I was just telling the boys here that you hit it, uh, as well as you possibly could for a trip to the Southeast this year. Yeah, man. Got so lucky. And I I was late leaving White Salmon, and we had just been having, like, obviously a terrible year. I, I'm sure Weld has, has told you guys about our slight drought we've you, had here the last few years. You but, see um, that dead plant in the back of Lewis's picture there? Oh, yeah. That, that symbolizes Hood River. <laughs> <laughs> this will turn, it's, we're turning into California up here for sure. Um, but yeah, man, I was racing that storm. There was that big hurricane, and I left late, so I pretty much drove like nonstop straight to like the first thing I got on was the Bear River in Chattanooga. 
I missed the good water there by like an hour, but I got to paddle with like um, Brian Good and Bryce and like Team Jib guys, which is like Brian Good. Comedy. Holy hell! So fun. It was so fun. Uh, and then right to Dane and the guys. I'm Joe Cassie, and I mean that's dude. That was so much. Like, and you got all four in a day. No man, Dane was like actually bugging me. We did. Horse pasture, Thompson, Whitewater, and then Toxway was high that first day. So we woke up early, did Toxway the next day. Okay. You hear this, Lewis? See I was so, about? so sore, dude. Oh. <laughs> I guarantee you were. Man. I... And Dan was like, lap, lap. We were on the Thompson. He's like, let's do more laps. I was like, dude, if we're going to go do horse pasture, like, I think old man has got to sit down and like sit this one out, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I, watched, I watched your video that you did. My main reaction was my back hurts just watching this. <laughs> Luckily, I was like, I'm still active. You know, I'm not like total AARP man. But um, freaking the whole rest of the trip, I was like recovering from those first days. Worth it for sure. But like by the time I got on the green, I had like tendonitis. I was like sore. My, my bum shoulder was weak, you know. Probably didn't set myself up there, but um. It was it was worth it for sure. So, how would I introduce you to any of our audience who doesn't know uh, Evan Garcia, professional kayaker, North American Waka Kayaks distributor? What should I yeah. add to that? How the hell, brother? Uh, there's been stages, <laughs> you know. Like overall, it's just complete like whitewater nerd, you know, like an encyclopedia of kind of semi useless whitewater information. It's just been stashed in this. You created the term yeasted. I think that's a, that's a real feather in your cap. <laughs> okay, we'll cut right there with part one of episode 78. We'll get the rest of this podcast edited and up ASAP. As always, appreciate you for listening, and we'll see you on the river.